There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hi, I'm Mel McLaughlin. Welcome to No Turning Back, the Tokyo 2020 podcast. It's been a long five-year wait, but the Tokyo Olympic and Paralympic Games are finally happening and there is no turning back now. In this series, I'll be meeting some of the athletes going for gold in Tokyo and sharing their stories. In this episode, teenager Sam Fricker is one of the many Australian athletes making his debut in Tokyo. His task, standing atop the 10 metre diving platform and making it look graceful. Sam Fricker, thank you so much for joining us on our podcast series. So excited to have you on, although I had reservations because I have a feeling you're going to make me feel really bad about myself because of all the (laughs) overachieving you do left, right and centre. Congratulations on making the Australian diving team and you're off to Tokyo. Yeah, thank you. I've made the diving team about a week ago and just super exciting, a real dream come true. What about the team? It's a smaller team than what is the norm for Australia. Um, Do you guys have much to do with each other? It's a real mix in terms of um, age and experience too. Yeah, 100%. I'm the youngest member on the team and we got Mel who's, this will be I think her fourth Mm. Olympics. You know, she's also Olympic medalist. I train with Mel every day, so it's great that we have you know a lot, a lot of experience in the pool as well. So although it's a smaller team, I think we're just going to make the most of it. Now, Mel, you're talking about Melissa Wu. What? Um, yeah. How much do you gain off her in terms of you know I guess her wisdom and knowledge? Yeah, she's always so generous with all her knowledge, and she does have a lot of wisdom. And she was telling me before the Olympic trials because I was asking her like what she does around comp, and she made a very simple point, which just makes sense. She was like, "Just don't change anything; just keep it the same." And that's the advice that I'll take going into Tokyo. So she's been really helpful with that. Okay, well, we need to go back and you know talk about how you discovered the sport and why and how old you were because you were really young when you started to figure things out. Hey, uh, tell us. Uh, I know you've been asked, but you have to tell us why yeah, you got yeah. into diving because it's pretty cute. Yeah, so well, when I was really young, I didn't really have anything figured out. When I was in primary school, I got in a bit of trouble at school. I was just being like a bit naughty here and there, and I didn't really know where I fit in. So until I found my passion for diving and moved to Sydney, that's when things started to straighten out. But I was doing gymnastics and trampolining, uh, so they're really good aerial sports. At, at what age? I was, I was doing gym since at least 10 or 11. Mm-hmm. I did kindy gym actually as well. I remember I broke my nose when my mum was teaching kindy gym at one point. How? So I Okay, so I did a front <laughs> flip into the foam pit. And I was like, it's a foam pit. Like you're meant yeah. to flip into this. And I need myself right in the nose when I hit the foam. No. Yeah, so then I got out and I was like, oh, there was blood going everywhere from my nose. And I ran over to my mum and I was like, I just had this pool of blood. But yes, yeah, so I did gymnastics. That's pretty unco. <laughs> yeah. That's unco. But then yeah. you kept going with it, and you're pretty damn good. Yeah. So I kept going. Um, that was when I was really little, maybe seven or eight. Yeah. I actually had to have an operation to fix that. That sucks. Wow. 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah so <laughs> okay. Off to a good start. Yeah. <laughs> I know, but you, you persevered to your credit. <laughs> but tell us about the switch to diving specifically. Okay. So I was doing gymnastics in Trent and there was a girl at Lampton, diving at Lampton Pool that I liked. And I was like, right, I'm going to start some diving. So I went Super over there. Cool. It was freezing cold. I'd get there, it was cold, it was windy. Some days it was raining, <laughs> but I'd just, I'd just be there and I'd, you know, I'd be there, I'd see her and I'd train. And eventually I made like a school nationals team and I thought I was the best. So I was kind of hooked from there. Yeah, but so nothing worked out with you. Sorry, I should be talking about <laughs> no, your career, but. No, yeah, no, no, it didn't. In fact, they wrote an article at school and they said, we're not getting the girl gets the gold. So <laughs> that's a good, that's actually a really good way of putting it. And you've got a, you've got a girlfriend now, so you're happy. Everything's yeah. all worked out for the best. I got asked that once and she was standing right in front of me. It was a bit awkward. It's a long time ago. Did you yep. have to yep. talk through it later? She was okay. That was for the yeah. car later? Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. We, drove, we drove. We <laughs> got the coffee. <laughs> um, okay, so you just quite flippantly talked about how you went into diving and yeah. then just did extremely well immediately. Do you think it's your background in trampoline and gymnastics that really helped? Because on top of that, then you're jumping from really high places. Yeah, so I started on like the one minute springboard. Diving, I should say. Yeah, mm. I started on the, the low boards, just not doing much. Uh, starting with like a forward dive, front flip. I took all the skills I learned from gymnastics and tramp over to diving. Uh, so I was always really good at twisting as well. And twisting is either really hard to learn or it's super easy. For me, luckily it was easy. Uh, and I just brought those skills over to diving and just started sending stuff. So it wasn't really good quality, but I was just making some, some hard dives for the time. And that kind of took off from there. But then when I moved to Sydney and got into N-Swiss. From Newcastle, yeah? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I was up in Newey. I lived in Merriweather and then moved to Sydney in year seven. They stripped me right back and I started from basics, right from scratch for a long time. So I, I went from being able to do like some decent dives, but they were a bit sketchy. I went right back to basics and then came through the right way. So you must have been showing immense promise because that's a massive call from your parents to move yeah. uh, move to Sydney from Newey, as you say, because we see in a lot of sports, parents do all kinds of relocation for, for their kids where things don't necessarily work out, but you must have shown ridiculous promise and you, you got a scholarship, didn't you? Yeah. So. That was an interesting story. I always had a dream to make the Olympic Games ever since I can remember. I watched it on TV and I was like, damn, I want that to be me one day. And I went to the diving pool in Sydney when I was training for that school nationals I first made. And one of the coaches, Grace, introduced me to Howell, which is one of the coaches at N-Swiss. And I told Howell, because he was talking to me about how he was an Olympian. I said, you know, one day I'm gonna make that Olympic team. And he was so amazed that he then started coaching me a little bit. And eventually, yeah, I trialed out for N-Swiss when I moved to Sydney and, and got in. Just like that. Yeah, so I think it was the passion and the, the vision that, because you're right, sometimes it doesn't work out, that really helped me. Just going back to the, the actual diving, was it at all ever daunting to you, looking up and going, okay, I have to dive off that, or was it all just quite easy? Oh, no, it was very daunting. And I remember the first time I went up there as a kid, I looked down, I was like, nah, people don't dive off. No. <laughs> so no. Like, nah, people don't do it. Um, and so I, I did a jump, and I thought that was pretty cool. Uh, but then I saw people on TV, because up in Newcastle, not many people did 10 meter. Mm. I definitely didn't think they'd be doing really hard dives. So yeah, it wasn't like an instant, I'll be doing this. What about your parents? We mentioned, you know, they made the move. Can you put a price on the kind of support you've received from them in this journey? Yeah, it's, it's the most important thing to have, yeah, parents' support. And 
it's their support and everything. They've always backed me in whatever passion I had, which I think has given me the freedom to go out there and find what I really love and then pursue it that way. Where if they were really hard on me about, you know, you go do well in school, you go do that, I think I really would have struggled for a lot longer than, than I did when I was in primary school. What's your, you mentioned, you know, you loved the Olympics and wanted to be an Olympian for, from a yeah. young age. Can you remember your earliest, because you're not very old at all, what's your <laughs> earliest Olympics memory? Yeah, I would have been about seven or eight watching on TV with the family. Just sitting back with the yep. family and thought, you know, yeah, I want to be there. Do you, do you remember an event or maybe an opening ceremony or anything specifically or just the Olympics? You just loved it and wanted to be part of it. I wanted to be part of the Olympics. Diving also was really inspired by watching Matt Mitchum win his gold mm -hmm. in Beijing. Like That was so incredible. Yeah. I, I trained a little bit with Matt when he was at N-Swiss before he retired. And yeah. yeah, it was great. So that, that was also such an amazing moment. What advice, if any, has he given you? Yeah, he, he always played his music at training. I remember that. He was just, he had really amazing technique. I still remember watching some of his dives and I, I try and emulate that for my own dives. Wow, okay. So while you're doing this, and you're going through school, high school, which you've only just finished. Yeah. Um, you've, on a side note, a couple of years ago, I don't know how many years ago, you decided you wanted to make a change environmentally as well. Yeah. Some people, a lot of us think that and go, oh, I'll just you know, bring bags to the local <laughs> shopping centre, but you went a little bit further than that. Yeah, so I've always been passionate about the ocean because I've always lived around the ocean, like around Merriweather. When I moved to Sydney, I moved in the west, but then moved out to the Shire, where I live now. So I've always Which seen... Which is Cronulla. Yeah. Shire, but <laughs> yeah. Shire. People who say the Shire, they don't actually yeah. understand that there's more Shires yeah. than just that one. But yeah. Cronulla. Yeah. Cronulla. Uh, I'm joking <laughs> no no but yeah so i lived around the ocean and i there used to be so much plastic everywhere and i saw the video of the plastic straw stuck in the turtle's nose have you seen that yeah yeah like it really Horrific. hurts to watch yeah yeah so from then i was really inspired to do something about plastic straws in particular so i was looking at metal straws but people use them as weapons in bars people steal them because they're like a, an expensive product and they like no one during covid wants to use a straw everyone else has used that you know, you don't know if they're out the back cleaning them all the way with mm. the, the fluffy brush. So we needed a single-use straw solution. So I was looking around that bamboo was too expensive for single-use, plastic can go soggy, and we came across wheat, and it's a byproduct of the grain that we grow to eat. So they simply cut the stem, clean it with purified water, and then we use that as a straw. And because it's grown, it's just biodegradable, you can throw it away. Yeah, it's brilliant. How, how is that going? Because yeah. you went to a cafe, didn't you? For like yeah. one cafe first and it sort of went from there. And yeah. now it's on Amazon. Yeah, so I had it on Amazon in the US. Now I've decided to focus here on Australia. I've rebranded to Sam Straws. And once I get back from the Olympics, because my dream is to see Sydney Harbour go plastic straw free. So I want to get all the venues around Sydney Harbour using wheat straws and then getting some big chains like say Maryvale and go from there. Yeah, Maryvale, well, that, that would be a, a key one. I've seen, is it packs of 100, 200, very reasonably priced. Yes, Thank we're giving it a plug because we should be giving something <laughs> like that a plug. Thank you. Yeah. Um, you mentioned Sydney Harbour. Thanks for leading me in because um, tell me about the Opera House sales. That was insane. So It I'm, looked unbelievable. Whenever we were talking about it in the team, like we were talking about, I was getting excited, but I couldn't even imagine what it would look like till I looked up that night and we saw it. So I have a mate named Tim, Timothy Johnson. He's an artist in Mossman. Tim really got behind me and helped me do some of my rebranding with his awesome art, which I actually put on my straws. Now, Tim started a movement called Collaborate Oceans. And through the initiative of Collaborate Oceans, they managed to get 
Tim's artworks, some of Valerie Taylor's artworks, some Aboriginal artworks, and one of my dives, who we're all ambassadors for, like Clive Oceans, projected onto the Opera House for World Ocean Day. You posted some photos about it, like they're spectacular. I can't imagine how that would feel if that was me up there with, with that particular, well, those images <laughs> yeah. in particular, that must have been such a moment. Did you see it with your family? Yeah, so I went over there with my mum. You went into the city to just have a look? Yeah, we went in, we all kind of met upstairs and then we just watched it together. But the problem was I had my Olympic trial the next morning. So I got in, I had to see it, I wanted to stay, but I had to go home and rest. Yeah. But that was so amazing just pulling that off with the, like the team. Cause I remember I rocked up to Tim's gallery one morning and he's like, right, well, we need the footage for that upper house tonight. I was like, right, I thought we we're working on the website. So <laughs> then I've got like caught around, we end up filming at Olympic Park and then they cut every like shot out and put it up. It's not bad, is it? It was insane. I'm Sandra and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for, but you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. How many projects do you think can you see yourself doing? And, you know, there could be no more, which would be fair enough because you've got a lot on your hands <laughs> at the moment. But I can just, you clearly are always, you know, ticking over thinking, what can I do? What can I do? Or are you waiting till after the Olympics to sort of start the next thing? So I'm expanding into sugarcane straws to get you've got thicker an straw. You're amazing. Uh, I know, I know, <laughs> I, yeah, I'm always thinking what's next, although yeah. there's a lot going on and it's been so busy lately. I've just been doing my best to stay up to date. Uh, with everything, but we're looking at sugarcane straws. Because the wheat straws are grown, they're not manufactured, the ends of the straws can be kind of thin. So they're good for like Cokes and other drinks like that. But for thicker drinks like smoothies, you need a bit of a thicker straw. So we're looking at, we're looking at sugarcane for that. Oh, for the chocolate milkshakes as yeah, well. Yeah, like mm. you can use a wheat straw. They still do bed and paper, but yep. you just got to suck a bit harder. Yep, yep. Okay, this will appeal to many, especially younger kids, when your name is mentioned, Everybody knows you because you're a bit of a TikTok superstar. <laughs> TikTok, right? TikTok. Which to me, until yeah. like you're the first reason why I have actually looked up TikTok. Oh, really? Because I was thinking, Thank what you. he does those dances? No, I don't does. dance. I thought that was TikTok. I can't dance. I just well, okay. can't. Okay, I'm just saying. That's what I no. thought TikTok was. I've avoided it at, at many costs. Um, it's not because I it's don't not, like it. I'm just not good at it. Oh, no, okay. I'm not here it's, to judge. All right. That's fine. And my girlfriend always tries to make me learn dances. <laughs> She's always like, let us dance. I'm like, I can't. I can't remember them. See, something you're not good at. Thank goodness. Dancing. Okay? Yeah. Um, but I, did, I didn't know that TikTok was what your stuff is. Like, yeah. these cool videos and obviously you, you narrate the whole thing. And what do you do? Like, how much time do you spend putting those things together? I really just enjoy it. So, say when I get home at night, um, I lay in bed. I'll just edit TikToks. It takes my mind off diving, business. It really takes my mind off things. So, it's even like, although it's really productive, it's also an escape from everything else that's happening. So, an hour here, I can put a video, video together. Well, I could pump one out in 20 minutes, um, just editing. Like, I edited one on the way here um, that I'll put up tonight. But I really just video what I do every day. So, I video what I love and share it. Make a story. Well, so when when was your first one? How long ago? Oh, I started just over a year and a half ago, I think. W why do you think it went so 
why do you think you have so many followers? Like it's huge, yeah, yeah. right? So when I, I first, think it's fifteen and a half million likes yeah. and half a million, just off half a million followers. Yeah, right? yeah, it's insane. What does that mean? The likes bit on the. It just means, how many likes you've had in total. Yeah, right. yeah. I think last year we got like a hundred and hundred and one, hundred and ten million. Right. <laughs> like it's insane. I, I I can't even wrap my head around it. But my first TikTok. My sister got me onto it. She was like, oh, you should post a TikTok. And I was like, oh, radio. So I made my first like three or four TikToks were with my sister because I didn't know how to use it. I didn't know how it worked. And then I put a diving video up just because I love diving. And it just, it got like 100K. And I'd never gotten that many views in my life, ever. Like, and I was, I was so blown away. So from that doing well, I was like, oh, okay, wow, people might be interested in diving here. So I just started posting more diving videos. And eventually they started doing really well. Um, I got like my first million views and it was just so amazing and something that I could have never dreamed of that that many people would want to watch diving and it was blew me away and I just started making memes like things that I just found funny here and there <laughs> yeah. yeah and then I just started posting like day-to-day life videos like what we do yeah you send a few messages as well as like you know on recycling and things like that I've, I've, I've yeah one or yeah two I, I support like, good causes yeah and what about your followers? Do you know who they are? Is it a range? Is it people around the world? Is it pretty young? Are there you know, megastars following you? Or do you know that on TikTok? Yeah. How old do I sound? <laughs> <laughs> no. So yeah, it's a couple of big TikTokers that follow me. Big TikTokers. To... I said, what else would okay, I call no, them? I'm I learning. <laughs> it's good. Uh, but yeah, I love meeting other creators because it, like we're both passionate about something. It's like when you're both passionate about something, people come together really well. So that's why a lot of creators kind of know other creators. But yeah, I just, I just love it. It's only going to get bigger, I would assume, after the Olympics, everyone's going to know your name. But can you actually use, because I know, you know, when you go into the Olympics, the village and, you know, Tokyo in general, yeah. there are all kinds of restrictions. Oh, yeah. Are you allowed to post stuff? I have a meeting with the legal team on Thursday. Okay. As in, which league? Whose legal team? Oh, uh, someone at the uh, Olympic Committee. We're just going because we've—it's called Rule Forty, from my understanding, and it's just about what you can and can't film. Yeah. Uh, so we went. Do they do that with everyone? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 It's everyone. It's the whole Olympic team. Because social media is a whole other thing, isn't it? Yeah. There's so many platforms. And, yeah. yeah. And I think it's because of sponsorships and brands, just different things like that. So there's just strict rules about promotion, which which makes sense. You want to be at the Olympics promoting something that they don't support or whatever it is. Yeah. So we got to follow all those rules. So it's just best that we can understand it. So we went through as a team and then I've talked to the guys at AOC. They're all lovely. And they're mm. like, right, well, we'll just have a conversation about it. Mm. So we'll just find out what you can and can't do. That way we don't make any mistakes. Yeah, that's smart. Makes a lot of sense. Now, what is the plan for you guys when you go over? Um, we know it's going to be a very different Olympic. So your first Olympic Games is, you know, not the norm, but yep. I, I'm, I just expect it to be very unique and maybe special for that reason. But um, do you know, like... You're obviously not in there the whole time. Do you know when you fly in, how long for and everything? I believe we're flying out on the 27th, from my understanding. I know they've split the team to fly half the team out first, half the team out later because of all the restrictions. Like you've got to be in only a certain amount of days before your event. Mm. You're not allowed in any earlier. Apparently we have to leave 48 hours before, uh, straight after our event. But I know that from what I've heard that we, we will be leaving 24 hours after the event. So there's... Lots of restrictions, you know, lots of things we can't do, but, you know, I'm there to compete, so I can do that. And I'm, I'm really just happy to be on that team and get out there and, there and compete. So a lot of people have said that, you know, it's going to be so different. I've never been to one before, so 
it'll be normal for me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, in a few years' time, it'll, yeah, you won't even know yourself at the next Olympic Games. But um, a lot can happen in the next three years, like a chatbot, maybe your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. What about, obviously it's a year later, as we know, than, than everyone expected the Olympic Games. Was that, you know, the lockdown and inability to you know, do you think normally, do you think that was a, a good thing or a bad thing for you personally? Yeah, that was a really interesting one. So the actual extra year worked out well for me. More time to train as a younger athlete uh, gave me time to get stronger and better. Mm. It probably wasn't as great for the older athletes, especially the guys that might have gone to retire, had to push on for an extra year. But during that lockdown period, it was super rough, I found personally. Uh, but my coach, Tomo, he was really good at we, he sent us two programs a day and we'd be on zoom doing these like home workouts together um so we made the most of it but it was definitely definitely challenging what about in terms of school that was your final year wasn't it last year year 12 so yeah um, yeah did was that it was it good in that way because i imagine you've taken away from schoolwork a fair bit because of training yeah i realized at that point that i'd actually prefer to go into school than learn it from home <laughs> uh yeah it was it was rough you had those zoom calls all the teachers would have been really hard for those guys as well, having to learn a full new system. But yeah, it was interesting. But we got through it. I was happy with my HSC and we just kept chipping away. It was really good that we could all come back before the HSC. So we did have a bit of time at school to be there together before we went into that those exams. And your you 12 formal as well? Or the lack thereof. You didn't have one? No. So what did you get to do? Yeah, that was rough. So I remember we were all sitting down in assembly and the headmaster's like, right, we've tried to do this, this, this and this. And it's all been knocked back. So oh. I feel like they tried to do everything they could. Yeah. Or actually, no, we did have a formal. Yes, we did. Oh, I thought I saw we did. a photo. We did. I thought, we did. Okay, we did. I'm just going to go with you. No, I mean, um, what we got knocked back with no parents <laughs> at the at like our valid. What are they call it? Valedictorian. Valedictorian. Yeah, that's the one. Yeah, yeah. So no parents. Ducks. Nothing what like that. So all we did was grab a piece of paper on the mm. stage, which was great. When you when you graduated. Yes. Is that what you mean? Yeah. Yep. Um, and then we had the formal. Yeah, no, because I'm pretty it. sure I, I think saw a everything post else was of you, and underneath you wrote Year Twelve form. Yeah, no, and we thought, did have that. I was like, Michael, I just, they said we couldn't do anything else. Like we have other dinners, yeah. other events. We missed out on everything else, but the formal and our no parents at the valedictorian. Am I right in saying that you thought about giving school away at, at one point? Yeah, I was going to drop out when I was 16, just because I had my straw business, I had diving, and I was just so passionate about those two, and I was really struggling to keep up at school and just to go there and. Yeah, I just wasn't sure what I, what I wanted to do. But the headmaster stepped in. One of the other teachers, Stenny, got behind me, really supported me. So a couple of the guys at school just really helped me out to get, to get me through. And that got me through. And are you glad you stayed to the end? Yeah, I think it's good. Obviously, I know you've got so many projects, you know, yeah. they're going to keep you busy for a long time. But what did you love at school? Are there any subjects that in particular? Stood I would like food tech. Food it's tech? like we can cook food and we can cook? eat it. Like what could be better than that? Yeah. I was like, that's the best thing you could do at school. I loved it. Well, so after your, um, you're a unique one because you already have so much going on for you so young, but like, say 20 years from now, you retire. Have you 
already thought about or do you think you'll just be on your path of all these you know entrepreneurial things that you do anyway yeah so my plan was to because i keep chipping away at diving as long as i can as long as i love it go to as many olympics as i can you know commonwealth games just next year so keep chipping away at diving keep going on with the social media because that brings me so many opportunities i just don't even see coming so people approach you for things yeah 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 so i have a really good agency that look after me and what's been the best thing to come out of it oh things like this yeah like people because if <laughs> no, you, you can do better than this i <laughs> know oh, this i love this stuff so yeah people being able to you know if they don't know about you they can't help you they can't talk to you so i feel like the best you can spread your message and especially if it's positive like spreading positive messages messages is like the best thing you could do um so i was just going to keep chipping away at the straws diving and social and just see where it takes me when you're overseas what are your parents going to be doing i know say the softballers there who are already over there their parents obviously can't get there so their you know family and friends are going as far north as they can which is Cairns, and they're just going to party <laughs> and they're having <laughs> aussie themed cocktail parties yeah. and things like that so they can watch do you know um how your parents or, or family and friends will be watching because it's obviously it's 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 rough that they can't travel for obvious reasons yeah. but um what, what's the story what's the plan i think my mum's just gonna watch in the living room with my fam i think it's pretty low-key from what i know i haven't really spoken about with her yeah i know that she's upset she couldn't come but i wouldn't want her to come anyway um during because of the circumstances mm-hmm. i'd feel more comfortable with her being home so i think she'll just watch watch it from her living room <laughs> with the fam is she pretty sporty herself i think she was when she was younger she was yeah. actually a pe teacher yeah uh so sports kind of always been in the family yeah okay um, and what and your girlfriend obviously she'll yep. be watching. Yeah, I think she'll watch with mum. From what I reckon. <laughs> yeah, 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 probably. Yeah, hopefully. Unless she's watching with her fam. Yeah. Um, the trials just gone. Um, were they tense? Were you? Do you get nervous? Were you thinking? Was there any doubt in your head that you weren't going to make the team? Or well, you can never go into something set in stone, and I knew that it was going to be a tough comp, and. I was actually really nervous. Um, my coach was telling me, Sam, you've got to crack some more jokes because you're, you're looking a bit too nervous. you got to like, <laughs> calm it down because I do best when I'm happy and I'm laughing. Yeah. So when I do really well, I'm in a good mindset. Like I'm bantering with my coach. We're having a laugh before each dive. That puts me in the optimum mindset to compete well. And I think in the Olympic trials, I was just super nervous and uptight because I, I knew what was on the line and I just wanted to achieve my dreams. So it was intense, but I feel like that was probably the most stressful comp that I'll have to do because once you're on the Olympics like you know it's only up from there wow interesting good way of, of looking at it what are your expectations or do you have them yet is it like I don't even know what to ask with this one because <laughs> I, don't, I don't like to say yeah. is it gold because that's yeah. not even a fair question I think sometimes so um, what it, what's what are your goals well the dream has always been to win Olympic gold mm-hmm. but in the prelim the goal will be to make the semi in the semi the goal will be to make the final once you're in the final well you might as well die for a medal why not anything could happen yeah anything could happen exactly right what about in the um the village have you thought about who who can you think of if any maybe you don't get starstruck but who could make you starstruck if you walk past them oh one of the guys diving australia was telling me about this how you're just in the village and it's like oh there's like you know they're really famous basketballers yeah everyone always says nba yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. or anyone there's having lunch across from you i i'm just kind of going there open-minded and because you want to meet people, but you also don't because of COVID. Mm. So I, I, I've tried to set my expectations low for the village and eating because I know that really the less people you can talk to, the less likely you are not to be able to compete. Because if you get COVID, you're not competing. That's right. You could do a distance 
selfie. But you've got to play it cool. You don't even want to ask <laughs> yeah. for a selfie. I know. Oh, I it's know, complicated. I'll ask for a selfie. i got no problem. No shame. I'll be like, yeah, <laughs> I want a photo. Or be my TikTok. I'll ask <laughs> Be my TikTok. Yeah. I don't know if you know me. You may be no, the I, NBA I would not star. Start. But uh, half a million <laughs> yeah. TikTok. Yeah, fair enough. Not the appreciation. Don't want to go away. If I've got 10 times more than I do. No, <laughs> yeah. stop. Um, uh, one of your videos, you talked about the mathematics involved in diving. Yeah. Can you just tell us those numbers in terms of when you're yeah. flipping? So when we're in the air, mm. we're falling at 60 k's an hour. Mm. So that's why if you hit wrong, like with your back arched or you miss your hands, I've broken my wrists before because you miss your hands, you take the impact and it snaps. Broken your wrists from impact. Yeah, because wow. you hit the water like that. And if you hit, um, if you miss your hands, well then it's all on one hand and it, it snapped. I've done that <sighs> twice. And then what? Um, How long do you need to That took recover? a while, that, that sucked. Um, that took, you know, it wasn't too long. Maybe a month and a half actually, but it sucked. Does, does it, what, fully healed now? You don't feel any Yeah, no, nah, so what I did was I just did Lots of push-ups when it was fine every day for nearly a year, and I have never had a problem since. Right, a thousand and fifty degree rotations. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, good memory. Yeah. Yep, it's done. not. You're checking to see if I wrote it down. You'll never know. Yeah. Yeah, just put it there. Yeah, 1,053 um, degrees. People don't know that kind of thing. Like, tell us. Yeah. Okay. So I locked up the training, and they got some like guys that know all the sensors and they stuck one on my back a lady named Cherie and they stuck it on they put some data into an app and I went up to 10 meters and did me hardest dive and um, they kind of taped it on a fair bit just to make sure it wouldn't come off and then I did the dive it didn't come off uh, this just small white sensor and it calculated that I spin it yeah 1050 degree 53 degrees per second but she said that that could have even been under what I spin it could be a bit more because of the sensor why not? She said something about the sensor, but... Something about a sensor. Yeah. It sounds very it's impressive. Fast, yeah. yeah. Very yeah. fast. Yeah. Okay. You and I talked before we started recording this about our dogs. How are you feeling about your Labradoodle? What's oh, he or she? It's a he. He. It's, his name's Coco. Coco. I love him so much. Oh, I get He's such it. a fluffy dog. Oh. And he just wants to be with you. Mm. Like, he's just happy to sit, just, it's all just sit love. in front of you. Yeah. yeah like, he wants nothing. <sighs> Maybe food. Yeah. He's always hungry. And cuddles. Yeah. Dogs are like that. How, how old is Coco? Oh, I think he's nine. He's nine. I got him for my birthday. Oh. When I was a kid, I always wanted a dog. I remember I had one friend. I used to go over to his house so I could play with his dog. Yeah. I used to love dogs. Yeah. And my dad kept saying, no, you can't have a dog. Mum got me a dog. And then, <laughs> uh, so now I have a Sounds dog. Sounds about right. Yeah. And I love him so much. Yeah. Do you get to spend much time with him? A little bit. Yeah. Because obviously you've got so much going on. Yeah. I, know, I don't know about you, but going over to Tokyo, my anxiety, obviously friends and family, partner, so I can't get in trouble, but the dogs. Dogs. Because how yeah. will they be? It's, oh. you know, I just feel so, well, apparently they'll be totally fine, but you know, nah. you make it about ourselves. Yeah, no, they, I, <laughs> just, just FaceTime Coco. Yeah, they, just, they just want love and just attention. That's all they want. With all the things that you do, what do you think, and this is, again, ridiculous asking someone of your age, but I reckon you might have an answer. What would you like in terms of making a difference? What, what would you like to be known for? Um, probably spreading love and positivity. Like just being, being a good person, doing the right thing. I, I have a saying when I'm not sure, uh, it's like the right thing to do is always the right thing to do. And I feel like you just follow your intuition and you'll, you'll always be okay. You're a wise man. 
Jeez. Yeah, no, no, that's good. I love that quote. It always yeah. keeps me steady. Yep. No, that's brilliant. And we like to ask everyone, when you land in Tokyo, what are you most looking forward to? I'm really interested to see how the whole thing is going to unfold. I don't know what's going to happen when we land. I heard there could be five hours getting to the venue or eight, maybe. So I'm just I'm just super excited to get in there and maybe maybe see the see the diving pool. Mm. I haven't been there. A lot of people went over for world chance, but I didn't. So it's um yeah, get get in there and dive. Probably the thing I'm most excited for. Yeah, fair enough. And I I think I interviewed Vendiri Aboya, who's you know a legend herself, and I asked her that question. I just I mentioned it to others now because it's just she said the tattoo. I want the rings. I want the rings. Yeah, the rings, where's she getting rings. it? Because I was tossing up. I asked her that. She, she 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 had a few ideas. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So you. You. I was thinking, like across the chest. Yep. Because people go there and they go the side. Yeah, the side or the bicep. Yep. I was thinking there. Yeah. Just because like, whenever I thought about the Olympic tattoo, I've just thought about being there. Yeah. Love it. So far, it might change. That's what I'm thinking. No, I love it. That is a brilliant way to leave things. And we wish you all the best. Obviously, we're going to be following... All of your stuff. I might even download the app and see. <laughs> download TikTok. Yeah. Get on but uh, yeah, thanks for your time. We are um, very excited to see how you go. Nice. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening. Be sure to subscribe to hear more incredible stories from our athletes going for gold at the Tokyo 2020 Games. You can see full coverage of the Tokyo 2020 Olympic and Paralympic Games on 7 and 7 Plus.